Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. Thanks for being here today. Super excited about our service today. First service, we actually did uh, child dedication, and uh, you'll have to look on Facebook to see those cute little faces, man. They were, they were pretty sweet. It was fun to see them. Um, what's our word for this year? Do you guys remember? Passion. Passion is our word for the year as a church, um, and the hope is that this year we all grow more passionately in love with God. That's really kind of our hope this year. Uh, we are selling these passion bracelets. <laughs> I call it a bracelet, whatever, this rubber thing that you put on your wrist, right? So uh, just as LVC 2022 passion, it's something, it can be a conversation starter with people around you. Uh, it's also just a reminder of our word for the year. And so you can pick those up for a dollar each uh, at the Welcome Center. Also, um, the week before Easter is called Passion Week. Did you guys know that? They called it the Passion Week. And so this year, I decided, since our word is passion, we might as well pour into that week. And uh, so on, on Sunday night, the, the, on what's it, Palm Sunday, a week before Easter, we are going to have a night of worship. Uh, and the thought is, Palm Sunday is when Jesus came into Jerusalem, and they had the palm branches, and they were celebrating the Messiah, you know, coming into Jerusalem. And so we're going to take time Sunday night and just worship the Messiah. And if you want to bring your own palm branches, go right ahead. You can do that. Uh, so I'm excited about that. That's on Sunday night. And then on Tuesday night, we're going to have our normal um, prayer room. You can join us for that. But on Wednesday night, uh, we are going to have a special Holy Week uh, Wednesday service. And uh, the teaching is going to be about what Jesus did that week from Palm Sunday to uh, the crucifixion. We're going to kind of talk about what Jesus did that week. And, and then our young adults are going to lead us in a time of worship, which is always a lot of fun. Um, how many of you have been here for a young adult worship time? Yeah, there's a little bit of energy when the, the young adults lead worship. And maybe, I'm, I'm going to say this, just we might have them do an original song that they wrote, maybe. We'll see if it's any good, so we'll see. But anyway, <laughs> so, um, but you want to come to that. And then on Thursday, we are going to have our Passover Seder meal. Um, we've done this in the past, and so when Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples the night before he was crucified, he celebrated Passover with his disciples. And so we are going to have a Passover meal uh, uh, in the, the beacon and walk through what Jesus walked through in that ceremony and also have an, a nice meal. We're going to eat together as well. There is limited seating for that. So I would just encourage you, if you want to be part of that, register early for it. And then on Friday, we will have two Good Friday services, one at noon, one at four o'clock. Um, and I would just encourage you, come to one of those two services if you can, if you can get off of work or school or whatever, uh, because it's, I think it's important to remember Jesus' sacrifice. And that's what we do on Good Friday is we remember his sacrifice. Um, so those are really helpful services for me personally to walk through the Easter season. 
And then on Saturday, if we didn't have enough, we threw in an outreach, an Easter egg community outreach. Uh, we're, we're needing help as volunteers. You can volunteer to, to help with that. Um, we have a thousand Easter eggs. I think we need to put candy in. And uh, we're going to put them out in the lawn and, and have our neighbors, you know, the kids all come and, and, and get Easter eggs. So if you want to help out with that, or if you know some kids that don't go to church, uh, neighbors, family members, whatever, uh, invite them because it's really just, you just run out and get candy and go home. It's kind of fun. So uh, you invite them to come to that. And then, of course, then we have Easter Sunday, which is going to be a huge celebration. Um, man, I love Easter Sunday. You know, so, so Good Friday, we, we experience and remember his death, but then Sunday, we celebrate his life. And so I would encourage you to come on out, uh, invite your friends to Easter services. I'd love to pack it out, both services in this auditorium. By the way, Easter is one of those couple of Sundays a year that the unchurched will actually say yes to being invited to come to church. So pick up one of those five packs of invite cards on your way out. Uh, take five minutes and invite five people to come to church. I would encourage you, pick up a five pack, get rid of them all, invite them to come to Easter Sunday here at Lighthouse. It's going to be a great time. Okay. Well, to uh, um, introduce today's message, I have a little demonstration. Jeremy, come on up here. Jeremy Bontrager, give him a hand. <laughs> Jeremy is actually doing Taekwondo in his spare time. Go ahead and grab that. Jeremy, how long have you been doing Taekwondo? I've been doing it, I've been doing it for about almost three years now. Almost three years. Yeah, and so what belt are you on? Right now, this is a red belt decided. It is the second red belt you get, and then it goes black belt recommended, and then it goes black belt nominee, and then you get my first degree, and it goes all the way up to ninth degree. So you're almost a black belt, right? Yep, my next belt's a black belt. Yeah, so first service, I actually said something about this looked like pajamas, but I'm not going to say that this service because he's almost a black belt. And... Uh, <laughs> And he also demonstrated something for his service. He, he broke a board for us. Are you going to do that again? Yes, sir. Yeah, so um, this board, let me bring this board over here. There are no cuts in this board. Come here, take a look at this. You see that? Come up here, inspect it. No cuts. There are no cuts on this board. <laughs> this is... This is... Rick does work at Lowe's, so he knows. What, what kind of board is this? <laughs> it's a one by what, one by twelve, one by twelve, and uh, it's it's really actually pretty hard. So um, it's not a fake board. And so Jeremy's he actually did he broke it for service, but he needs a little bit of encouragement to pull this off. That's what he told us. So if you guys would all just start clapping for Jeremy, he's going to demonstrate this for us. Let's go, buddy. You can do this. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty amazing because uh, that's a pretty hard board. So I had, I had Jeremy demonstrate that um, because when I was younger, I wanted to take martial arts. I wanted to take it. It wasn't available in my area. Um, and uh, so I, I bought a book, or I, I took it out of the library for, 
<laughs> monkey Kung Fu. Anyone ever heard of Monkey Kung Fu? So this is Monkey Kung Fu, right? So you, you learn a little bit of this. Come on, Jeremy. Come on back. I'm ready for you, buddy. No. Stay, stay out there. No, I'm just kidding, Jeremy. Don't come back. Don't come back. But I would have loved to done, you know, some martial arts, you know, learn to fight like that. But I had another thing going against me. One, it wasn't available in our area. But secondly, I grew up Mennonite. Anybody grew up Mennonite in here? Yeah, just like some of us were afraid to do that, announce that we were. But anyway, so <laughs> Mennonites are non-resistant. Mennonites are non-resistant, meaning that they don't believe that there's a reason to go to war, a reason to fight, to fight back ever. And so that's how I was brought up. So learning how to fight or defend yourself wasn't something that was part of the, the Mennonite faith. And so um, they, they base it, by the way, on Scripture, Matthew 5, verses 38 and 39. This is Jesus. He said, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek as well. You heard that saying, turning the other cheek, right? We've heard that saying. And honestly, that is what Jesus expects from his disciples, is that if somebody is personally, you know, attacking us, we are not supposed to fight back, all right? We're not supposed to fight back. Um, but that doesn't mean that we are supposed to be passive. I just want to emphasize that. As a follower of Christ, that doesn't mean that we are supposed to be passive. There are times to fight. There are times to fight. If somebody is attacking a loved one, I mean, Scripture says love always protects. And so part of loving our loved ones is to fight, stand and fight and protect their, them if they're under attack. It also means that we are supposed to fight with our faith as well, fight for our faith. Matthew chapter 11 says, verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful, forceful men and women lay hold of it. To advance the kingdom of heaven, it's going to take force. It's going to take forceful men and women willing to stand and fight to move the kingdom forward. Ephesians chapter 6, chapter 6, verses 12 through 13 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So, did you catch some of those words? Rulers authorities, power, spiritual forces, putting on your armor. See, those are battle words. Those are fighting words. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We don't wage war as the world does, but we do wage war. We take captive our thoughts. We demolish arguments and pretensions. As followers of Jesus, 
we need to be willing to stand and fight. We need to be willing to stand and fight for our faith. We need to be willing to stand and fight for our marriages, for our children, for our communities, for those who cannot fight for themselves. See, as a follower of Jesus, loving God and loving others means that we cannot be passive. We need to be ready to fight. So we're in a message series titled Living in Love, and it's a message series based on the book of 1 John, but it's about having a lifestyle of love. Last week, we had a message titled Active in Love, and if you remember, the the saying there is actions speak louder than words, and so we talked about what it really means to have a lifestyle of love with action. If you missed it, you can watch it online, but today we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, and in this section, John is talking about a a battle, a fight. He's talking about the enemy, those who come against us, and he gives us some insights on how we can win the battles that we are up against. So I'm going to read 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They're from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is, this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So our message is titled, Fighting for Love, Fighting for Love. And so I'm going to give us a couple of keys from the scripture on how we can win the spiritual battles that we face, all right? Uh, But first, let me pray, and then I'll give you a few points. So, Father, I thank you for your word that is true, that gives us all the the knowledge and insight that we need to, to make it in this world. So, Lord, I pray that you would help me to communicate your truth, give me your words to speak, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive from you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so you can fill this in on your handout if you would would like. We can win our spiritual battles when we, number one, know our enemy. Know our enemy. John, he knew right up front, he needed to describe the enemy to his readers. He says in verses one, one through three, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So he's he's up front and he's saying, don't believe everyone. Don't believe everyone. There are false prophets out there. Then he describes, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. What you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So he said, don't believe everyone. 
and what they say. Test the spirits. And in fact, this is how you can know who is from God and who is not. Those who acknowledge that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, is from God. And we even see that throughout the New Testament. But those who don't acknowledge that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, is not from God. Now, there are a lot of religions in this world, right? A lot of religions in this world. And many religions will acknowledge that Jesus was a good person, maybe even a prophet, but they won't acknowledge that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's how we know when a religion is not from God. Or when a person is not from God is when they, when they say that, when they won't acknowledge Jesus for who he is. Now, they may say it with their mouths, but then they don't actually live it out with their lives. We've seen a lot of false religions where they, they tout the Bible, but everything they do and say outside of, you know, maybe the pulpit is not from God. That's how you know. That's how you know if they're not from God. Now, why is... Why is John doing this? Why is he describing the enemy? Because he wants them to win their spiritual battles. It reminded me of when I was in high school. I had a very good high school basketball coach. And so we play a game on Friday night, and then on Saturday and Sunday and Monday, our coach would start studying the next opponent that we were going to play. So our coach would look at uh, scouting reports. He would look at game film. And he would study and he would learn their weaknesses, their strengths, their tendencies. He would learn about their plays. And then in practice, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we would spend time learning about our opposition. We'd learn their strengths. We'd learn their weaknesses. We'd learn their plays. And why would we do that? Why would he spend so much time studying them and so much time teaching us what to expect? It's because he knew that if we wanted to win the game, we needed to know our opponent. See, that's true for us in our spiritual walk as well. If we want to win our spiritual battles against the enemy, Satan and all of his demons, then we need to understand what he does. We need to understand his playbook. Well, the good news is that Satan's been running the same plays for thousands of years and God's recorded them in this playbook. And so we can study this book and learn about Satan and say, what does he do? What does he typically do? And I will tell you, he's been doing the same thing for thousands of years because it works. It works. What do they say? If you don't study your history, you're destined to repeat it. That happens all the time in the church. We we keep making the same mistakes in our fight against Satan that have been made for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So we need to know our enemy. We need to study our enemy. We need to know his tactics. We need to know when we are under attack by the enemy versus just having a bad day. There is a huge difference in our approach in those moments. So here's just a few uh, characteristics of Satan and his work, because I think it's important for us to know this, to know our enemy. First of all, he is ferocious. He is ferocious. First Peter 5.8 describes the enemy this way. He says, be alert and of sober mind. The, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Devour. 
I don't know if you've ever watched any of the nature shows, but when a lion attacks a prey and takes it out and kills it, it's not pretty. It's ruthless. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Guys, we cannot be timid when it comes to the enemy of our soul because he is not timid. He is ferocious, and he hates us. He hates you being here today and hearing this word. If any of you had a bad morning and it was a struggle to get here today, that was the enemy because he doesn't want you to learn the keys to winning the battle against him. Our enemy has no rules of engagement. He will go after anything that is dear to us. He'll go after our kids. He'll go after our marriages. He'll go after our families. He'll go after the most precious thing to you, whatever that may be. And he'll try to take you out by taking that one thing. So we need to be on our guard. This is a battle that we cannot lose. We need to stand and be ready to fight. So look out for our enemy. He's ferocious. Number two is he masquerades as righteous. Satan doesn't come looking like a lion. He comes looking like a lamb. Now he bites like a lion, but he looks like a lamb. 2 Corinthians 11 says, For such people are false prophets. Apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And Matthew chapter 7 says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Many times in my life, I've just noticed this. Satan doesn't come to me as like a Wiccan witch, right? I mean, because I would recognize, oh, wait, that's, that's not of God, or a voodoo priest. You like, you notice that, like, oh, no, that's, that's not God. No, Satan will come to you as someone who's pretty good, sort of a Christian, and then, you know, tries to kind of cozy in, like, no, I'm just, I'm just one of you, I'm good, and then you'd become friends with them or they start teaching you some philosophy or whatever and it's just wrong. And they, they will try to take you out because they're kind of good. Now, I've seen this, by the way, so, 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 so much when it comes to couples, okay? So singles. How many singles in here? Raise your hand. Let me see the singles. All right, I'm speaking to all you singles right now, okay? Who is it? Um... Bathsheba, what's it, I'm trying to think, no, um, what's it, he knocked down the walls, Samson, Samson and Delilah, you know, what took Samson out, a relationship, and I've seen so many singles who are like, I'm getting my life on track for God, I'm like, all right, I'm going to church, I'm reading my Bible, I'm starting to pray, things are looking good, shoot, I've had it happen in my life. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, someone comes along, says all the right words, bats their eyes at you, opens the door for you, takes you out to eat, and they're sort of Christians, kind of, kind of Christians. 
And then so you, you fall for them. And then you realize, maybe not right away, but maybe you realize a month later, five months, maybe five years of marriage and two kids that I don't think they were a Christian. And we hope, we hope that here's our spiritual condition. We're right here. We're running. And maybe they're right here. We hope that this is what's going to happen. We're going we're gonna to evangelize them, right? We're going to raise them up. They're going to get to know Jesus. They're going to be right there with us. But that's usually not what happens. What usually happens is we come down to meeting them spiritually. So here's a tip for singles, specifically, only date those who are as strong of a Christian as you or even stronger of a Christian than you. When you're, if you're going to date, man, look for someone who's further along than you are. Evangelistic dating doesn't work. But this has been happening for years and years and years. The enemy masquerades as good. Because he knows if he comes in as evil, you're going to reject him. So he's going to come in as good. He's going to worm his way in, and then he's going to try to take you out every single time. So look for that. Be aware of that. Number three, he questions the truth consistently. Questions the truth. During a confrontation one time in the Bible, uh, Jesus is being questioned over and over again by the Jewish people. This was Jesus' response to them in John chapter 8, verse 44. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan can't speak truth. He hates the truth. And he will always question it. The original sin in the Garden of Eden started out with a conversation between Satan and Adam and Eve. And he started out with a question. He said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did he really say? It was questioning God himself. And he knew it wasn't true. So Adam and Eve got into that dialogue, and before very long, they started questioning God themselves, and they ended up sinning. So when someone comes along looking righteous, and they say, is the Bible really true? I mean, was Noah really a person in the Bible? Do you really have to go to church? Because, I mean, it says... We're supposed to gather together, but does that mean every week? I mean, you can just, you guys have heard it, right? It's the enemy making you question the Word of God. We believe that the Word of God is true, fully inspired by God, written by man, but we believe that it is completely true and accurate. So we hang on to that. We hang on to that. So we can know that the enemy is going to question the truth. And then number four, he attacks all at once. This is important for us to know. Um, the enemy comes in like a flood. He rushes in like a flood all at once. And it makes sense, though, if you think about an army. If an army is going to come and attack, they're not going to send one soldier at a time, right? I mean, they're going to send, like, the whole army all at once, try to surround you, maybe get you in the front and the back, try to take you out all at once. That's the way the enemy works, too. Um, in the Old Testament, there's a book called the book of Job. 
And Job is one of my heroes of the faith. Because Job, Job was a righteous man. He was a rich man. He had a lot of worldly possessions, had a lot of kids, had a great family. And then uh, he became noticed by Satan. And Satan went to God and questioned the truth again. And he said, do you think that Job would really serve you if he didn't have all of his possessions? Because you've really blessed him. So I'm not sure he would really serve you if, you if you took away all of his possessions. And God said, go ahead. We'll see if Job will still serve me. Take away all of his worldly possessions. So you know what Satan did? He didn't come in and take one sheep and see how that hurt and then take another one. This is what happened. In one day, Satan took all of his oxen and donkeys. They were all gone. And while the, while the messenger was still talking about all of his oxen and donkeys being taken... Then another messenger came and said, hey, all your sheep are gone. Someone took all of your sheep. And then all of his camels were gone. So all of his worldly possessions were taken all in one afternoon. And then one more messenger came and said, hey, Job, I hate to tell you this, but all your kids were together in a house and they were celebrating together and a, a wind came through and it, and it blew the house down and, and they're all dead. And, you know, Satan thought, he thought, I'm going to take Job out. And what he didn't realize, first of all, Job wasn't going to get, be taken out. But he was showing his hand to us. Thousands of years later, we go, oh, that's the way Satan works. He comes in like a flood. You ever been there before when, you know, you lose your dog, lose your job, car has three flat tires, you know what I mean? Like, Everything's fighting against you, and you're like, I just don't even know if I want to serve God anymore. I don't, I don't know if I want to go to church. I don't know if I want to go to my home group. I'm just kind of like, like done because like everything's going wrong. Well, that might be Satan attacking you, fighting against you. But we need to stand. We need to stand in those moments. We need to recognize that it's the enemy. By the way, I want to read this about my, my hero, Job. After all this happened, in verse 20, he says, Job got up and tore his robes and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Job won that battle. And we can win the battles that come against us as well. First, we need to recognize them, right? We need to know our enemy. But secondly, we need to stand and fight. We need to fight with confidence. It's your feeling. It's fight with confidence. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That's verse 4. That word there is overcome. See, that... In that implies there's a struggle, there's a fight that has to happen. So in our battle against the enemy, the quickest way to let him win, well, first of all, is to not recognize who he is, right? But secondly, is to not fight. You know, if we just stand here, the enemy is just going to run us over. He's ferocious. Remember that. We have to fight the enemy when he's attacking us. 
Now, for me, um, a lot of times, <laughs> I have lots of ways that I, that I attack the enemy. Um, I've shared this to several people over the years, but um, when we were thinking about going into to ministry and the enemy was attacking, one of the ways that he likes to attack us is to destroy our sleep, right? And so I'd get woken up, you know, every, every night at 3 a.m., couldn't go back to sleep, you know, having those nightmares, things like that. And uh, I just decided, you know what, I'm just, I'm done. You know, so first of all, I, I walk, I still do this today. I still walk around my house and I pray every night outside. I think my neighbors think I'm crazy. Do you guys think I'm crazy? Have you seen me a little bit? Anyway, so sometimes I'll hide behind the house when a car is going by just so they don't call the cops on me. But anyway, so I'll walk around and pray around my house just declaring that this property belongs to God. All right, my family belongs to God. My home belongs to God. So I will, I will pray. I will declare scriptures. At three in the morning when I get woken up, you know what I do? I start praying for you all. That's <laughs> what I do. I said, if you're going to wake me up, then I'm going to fight. I'm not going to just go, oh, I'm so tired the next day. I'm going to go, no, I'm going to pray. And you know what happens when I start praying for all of you? I go right back to sleep. <laughs> just being honest quickest way. The enemy's not going to keep you awake. He's not going to poke the bear if you're going to fight, right? So you just, you attack the enemy. Start praying for friends and family if he's messing with you. I'll sing songs of worship at the top of my lungs this morning. Um, actually, every Sunday morning, I'll come in here before anyone else, and I'll turn on our sound system really loud, and I'll just do praise worship, uh, praise and worship music all throughout here, and just worship God. It's a battle. Our worship is a battle. You know, it's war. So we, we need to just declare the praises of God. By the way, most, um, most songs, worship songs, are based on Scripture. So what you're singing is Scripture. Because Scripture is truth. How do you refute a lie? With the truth. Nobody can refute the truth. It, it is what it is, right? It's Sunday. Try to argue that. You can't argue. It's Sunday, right? It's just the truth. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what you say. Today is Sunday. The same thing with the Word of God. It is the truth. You can't refute it. So know it, quote it, say it, pray it. The second part of our filling is fight with confidence. So we first need to fight, right? We need to fight. We need to overcome passivity. We need to fight. Second part, though, is we can fight confidently. Scripture says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you, if you are a follower of Christ, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within you. And the Holy Spirit is greater than the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of Satan in the world. We have a greater strength by the power of God than what the enemy has, than any part of the enemy. Now, we kind of know this. We kind of think of, all right, we know that God is greater than Satan. If you think there was this big battle, there really wasn't a big battle. God just said, oh, you're against me and threw him out. I mean, it's just not a big battle. God is greater than Satan. But we sometimes forget that as followers of Christ, we have the authority and the power that is greater than Satan as well. And we let the enemy kick us around, and we don't have to do that. Luke chapter 10 says this. 
I have given you authority, this is Jesus speaking, to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. We have the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. If you're a follower of Christ, you have that authority and you can win the battle. Let me give you an example of how that worked one time. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I think it was eighth grade, I was over at my friend Darren's house and we were, me and my buddies were all spending the night over there playing video games and stuff like that. And, um, and I, I started talking to my friend Kevin and I just started sharing about Jesus with him. And uh, he wasn't, he didn't grow up in the church. Uh, he was into drugs and things like that. And his home life was just a mess. And I said to him, I said, I said, well, Kevin, I said, do you want to become a follower of Christ? You know, this is like at midnight, you know. And he says, you know, I, I like that. He says, but I can't. I said, why not? He says, there's just something in me that won't let me. And the hair on my arm stood up, and I'm like, oh, the devil's around. You know, it's demonic forces at work. And so I went downstairs, and I woke up all my friends, like, what are you doing? We're going to pray. And so we prayed over my friend and just cast the, the devil out, away from him. Because the, the one who is in us is greater than the one who's in the world, Right? All authority has been given to us. Even this little eighth grade kid had the authority over a demonic presence. And we prayed. And I said, so Kevin, I said, you want to pray now to accept Jesus? And he goes, yeah, I can now. It's gone. Just like that. Just like that. Because we have that authority. James 4, 7 jump down a little bit, says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He'll flee. Like, if we resist the enemy, he's going to run. We have to fight, and we have to fight with confidence. Let me give you one more example. Go ahead and turn the lights off. Uh, one more scripture. John 1.5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So many times we hear that God is represented as light. In him there is no darkness at all, and the enemy is darkness. When there is a battle between light and dark, who wins? There's darkness on our back wall. What happened to it? It's gone. All right, let's watch that again. Darkness is winning. Light comes into the room. Where'd darkness go? And at no point do we think darkness is not going to overcome the light, right? It can't. This is not a battle. But light has to be shined in order for darkness to leave because as soon as I turn off the light, darkness returns. You can turn the lights back on. When you think about the battle that we're in with the enemy, know that we are the light. We have the light of Christ in us. Whatever darkness is surrounding us and consuming us, it disappears as soon as we turn on the light. We have that authority in our lives. But if we don't shine the light of Christ, what happens? Darkness returns. And that's what the enemy is counting on. He's first of all counting on you not to know his tactics. You know, he's, 
I don't want you to know that I'm actually attacking you. And then secondly, he certainly doesn't want you to fight. And if you do stand and fight, he doesn't want you to believe that you can win. This whole thing is a mind game, right? I mean, it's, it's a war that is happening in our minds. And so we have to know the truth. We have to stand on the truth. And we need to take up our sword, take up our shield, and we need to start fighting and not sit down. And not sit down. Here's your last villain. When a child of God fights, they win. When we fight, we win. But let's not kid ourselves. We're going to be in a battle. It's going to happen. If you're not in one, you're going to be in one. You just got through one, one's coming down the road. It'll happen. It'll happen. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up here. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.